text was he was teaching on end of days in that chapter. And <clears throat> what will be the sign of your coming in of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. So there's going to be some preliminary stuff going on. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. There's some powerful stuff in this chapter. And these words that Jesus speaks to his disciples and followers are absolutely astounding, especially in light of what we're facing in the world we're in today. And as you look at this, these things jump off the page because this is the first generation in human history that can actually understand what the prophets were saying when they predicted these end of days. Why is it we understand that there were mysteries to our father were mysteries to our fathers and previous generations? Why are we understanding stuff they couldn't wrap their brains around? They were trying to figure out answers to. Why is it we comprehend some things and see them more clearly than they were able to see them? Technology. The message can be heard simultaneously around the world for the first time via satellite, internet smart devices, where we can see everything going on in real time. The ability to eyewitness an event by a generation as time is compressed in these end of days and everything is like shrunk to instantaneous sight. You can see it as it happens. One generation witnessed the Jews becoming a nation in 1948. It was the return of the Jews to their homeland as was prophesied by the prophets. Hmm. The return of Jews, they came back, they were given a state. Israel is 69 years of age. And according to many, 70 years is a complete generation. If that be true, one more year for a complete generation to have witnessed Israel reborn. We have one year. Think about it. One generation will have lived and seen all of this. Now, that prophecy had happened many, many years and decades before, centuries before, and nobody ever lived to see that come to pass in one generation, and it never happened in 1,900 years, and it's happening right in front of our faces. We can understand difficult passages today as we never could before historically, like what was said to Daniel, seal up the book until the time of the end. That's our day. When many will rush here and there, that's our day, and knowledge will increase, that's our day. Because you carry in that little smart device more computer technology than put men on the moon when they launched those Apollo missions. You've got more technology in that little device than they had in that entire space capsule. Knowledge will increase. Some prophecies were... Very hard to comprehend. 
like this one, every eye shall see him. That was impossible. Now, easily done. Every eye will see him. Everyone will receive an ID. To do business under the Antichrist, you will have to have identification. It wasn't possible just a decade or so ago to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark of the name of the beast or the name of the beast or the number of his name. You will be chipped if you are not raptured away with Jesus. The instant destruction of portions of the human race. All of a sudden now, that's a reality. Their flesh shall dissolve while they stand on their feet. Their eyes will dissolve in their sockets. And their tongues shall dissolve in their mouths. How? A nuclear device. Israel can explode a neutron device that will leave vehicles and buildings intact but the moisture in a human body is totally sucked out and the person just melts away from their skeleton. Never before in history, but now a reality. Babylon destroyed in one hour, prophetically. Well, a city can be incinerated now in one hour. Gone. It took Rome days to burn to the ground. Today, Simple nuclear device. And the word says people will literally stand afar off because of the smoke. And we now know what that means. You don't want to get anywhere near the fallout from the mushroom cloud of a nuclear explosion. The ability for the harvest to ripen with the latter rain. The rain is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that was prophesied. Harvest is about to happen. Back in the 60s and 70s, You'd rarely ever see a Christian other than a Pentecostal receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now it's common for multitudes of people from various denominations to go into the same building and raise their hands and worship God in spirit and in truth because the last day outpouring has manifested. See how the farmer, James wrote, waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. We are the generation where all these fulfillments have happened. Therefore, we need to discern the times and the events that are happening around us because we can miss it. We can go right by us and we don't even capture it. I request from the Lord the discernment of the sons of Issachar be upon us because in his own day, Jesus' people didn't get it. He said, For the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another. Why? Because you did not know the time of your visitation. You were oblivious to everything happening right in front of your eyes. I'm concerned. We're not discerning what is happening in America. We're not discerning it. We are receiving selective judgment and not recognizing it. We think, no, it's all going to go away. Just some odd thing that's happening. How did the people miss the visitation of Jesus when he appeared? Because when he was born, a star broke out in the skies like never seen before. The Magi in Babylon, these astrologers, immediately took note and said, this is significant. And they began their journey to seek him for months to travel to Israel. 
And Simeon started prophesying all while this was happening simultaneously, all within about an eight-day period. Yet the Pharisees missed the birth of Jesus, totally missed it. And then when the Magi finally show up and they go to Herod and they're seeking the one that's born, the king of the Jews, and he sends for the Pharisees to go search the scriptures to find out because this is a possibility. And they come back and they quote from Micah that, yes, he's going to be born in the city of Bethlehem. And while they're reading it off the pages in the front of their own eyes, they still don't get it that it's happening right in front of you. Jesus walked around teaching God's truth, performing miracles of healing, and he was casting out devils and creative miracles all in three and a half years. And they nitpicked him apart and they rejected him. Jesus was crucified at Passover. The sun was darkened in the middle of the day. It was like midnight. And there was a major earthquake and graves popped open. And and the, the, the saints that had passed, some of those dead appeared walking in the streets. And then Jesus resurrected on the third day, all in three days. And they still didn't catch it. Jesus continued ministering for 40 days and the Holy Spirit was poured out. And 3,000 Jews were born again. And spiritual leadership still fought the message and the messengers. It was right in front of them, and they couldn't discern it. Calvary, there are signs evident in America, and we need to discern them. And we better understand them and understand what we are doing wrong for all this stuff to be happening all around us in our land. We have weather patterns in the United States that are totally off the charts, out of the norm. Flooding in the Midwest last summer cost $5 billion dollars in, in assets to restore. That's nothing compared to what happened in Texas because the projected costs for repair and recovery are $190 billion. Tornadoes in the South last season, over 1,000 of them in one season, highest on record. Fires, they're burning wildly all over the, the far west out here. Rain, too much rain is not a blessing. (laughs) When Nehemiah was rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, there was too much rain. It was slowing the building and the restoration. So he prayed, and then God revealed to him the reason for so much rain coming down. Priests have been marrying non-believing, non-Jewish women. And the guilty priests were directed now, stop the practice, break away from the ungodly women, and be out of the priesthood because you've defiled yourself. And then the rain ceased when there was a turnaround. Look, God is very specific about what he says. And when we see these troubles, we typically say, it's the wicked people in San Francisco. That's why we're having all this problem. Or it's the wicked gangbangers in Chicago, and they're murdering every... Listen, hang on, saints. We've had some wickedness in our pulpits in America. Ministers who use curse words in their preaching... In one seeker-friendly church, the pastor came out. And you know, the kind of the cool thing now, he sat down on a stool, and then he popped open a Budweiser, and 2,000 people clapped and cheered for him. Pastors arrested for DUI. We think it's the old rank sinners that are causing all these problems we're having in America. True to some degree, for, for, for the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you at the house of God? Because Paul said there would come a great apostasy to many churches and professing believers in these last days. They will begin to accept what God condemns and condemn what God supports. That's what Paul wrote. 
things will turn upside down because of reprobate minds. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. You ever wonder, how can somebody believe that evil is good and good is evil? Well, you're hearing that from Christians today. The answer is in Romans 1.28. And even as they did not retain God in their knowledge, in other words, instead of being transformed by the renewing of their mind, knowing God's word sufficiently to say, God calls that evil. And I'm not going to condone it, right? God gave them over to reprobate mind because they refused to retain the knowledge of God. One translation puts it like this, quote, since they didn't bother to acknowledge God, God quit bothering them and let them run loose. And then all hell broke out. Apostasy is an abandonment of God and his purpose and principle. Apostasy replaces revelation with reason. This sounds reasonable. It only sounds okay if they love each other. They should be able to do whatever they want with whomever they want. That's not what God says. Okay? Listen to me. God's not going to judge San Francisco until he first cleans up the mess in his own church. Yeah, there are many serving with integrity and devotion to the word of God. But one pastor recently said to his people, if you see me drinking at the local restaurant and it offends you, After their New Year's Eve party at that church, three of their leaders were charged with DUI. That's a great testimony, isn't it? What kind of a church is that? It's a church of come like you are and leave the same. Church is not a place where you come as you are and leave the same. Same bondages, same personal addictions, no personal growth, not tithing, not serving, heartache and oppression that follows all of that. When we come to church... When we walk in, we expect and know there will be anointing, there will be deliverance, there will be captives set free, there will be born-again experiences. Are you listening? So what's happening? Either it's just bad year, or it's global warming, or it's birth pains. A season of selective judgment to get our attention. Did that ever happen in Scripture? Oh, boy, did it ever happen. Look in Luke 13, when Jesus is talking to his followers and a crowd of people begin to gather, and he looks at them and he says, what about the 18 people who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them? Jesus asked, were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? And then he rhetorically answers his own question and says, no. And I tell you again that unless you repent, you will perish also. He said, all these are the beginning of sorrows. And the word sorrows in the original language means birth pains. Jesus said, when you start seeing these signs, they are birth pains. Contractions starting to happen. The whole earth is groaning and contracting. All of these are the beginning of birth pains. All of these. And we're seeing what? Floods and fires. And storms bigger than anything we have witnessed. And people's lives and homes and things they've held on to destroyed. The biggest earthquake that hit Mexico in over a century moved the fault line by 32 feet. Okay? It registered 8.1. That's called a major earthquake. Natural disasters all around us, what we call them natural disasters. About the man who was 
standing over here in the Sierra Nevada not long ago, in just the month of August. It was a cloudless day. He was taking pictures, and he got hit by a bolt of lightning from where? Out of nowhere. And it tore all of his clothes, including his underwear, off of his body and nearly killed him and burned holes in his tennis shoes and still couldn't figure out where in the world this thing came from out of nowhere. Where in the world? And bolts flying around like they've never had all around the Sierra Nevadas. These are signs to us. The things we're witnessing in the heavenlies, that's God's billboard. He's writing a message saying, you better wake up. You better pay attention. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Jesus introduces the subject, and he begins to speak of wars and rumors of wars. We now are under great threat. The whole world is a tinderbox ready to explode. We've got battlefronts everywhere you turn. Listen, those are birth pains. He says in his own native tongue, it will be ethnic group against ethnic group, tribe against tribe. We're watching that in Eastern Europe, in the Middle East. And when he says, when you see ethnic groups warring and religion fighting against religion, it's birth pain time. All of this is but the beginning, the early pains of the birth pangs of the intolerable anguish that's about to follow all of that. The Jews call all of these predictions that are listed in the Old Testament, they also call them the birth pains of the Messiah. The rabbinical Jews in Israel are struggling now to regain some footing on Holy Mount. They want footing back there because in their hearts, they are having a witness tell them Messiah is about to appear, and they want back on Holy Mount. God has established all these analogies in the scriptures for us to discern, as it was in the days of Noah. What was it like in the days of Noah? People's hearts were bent on evil, constantly self-centered. As it was in the days of Lot, Sodom and Gomorrah were located at the very southern edge of the Dead Sea. If you go there now, it's desolate, hot, desert. Nothing grows there. But here's what it once looked like in the early days of earth. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere including the area where Sodom and Gomorrah used to be. Like the garden of the Lord, it was lush. It was beautiful and fruitful. It was once terrific. Now it's rock and sand and desert and absolutely desolate. What happened on the Jordanian side? At one time, there were five springs there. And those, there were five cities that got built around those five springs. And, and they, Sodom and Gomorrah were a part of those five that were built around those, those springs. And they've uncovered now as they, as they continue to excavate where they believe those cities once were, up to 500,000 human remains because four of those five original cities, including Sodom and Gomorrah, were totally annihilated during the time of Lot. Ham, one of the sons of Noah, had four sons himself, and the youngest was named Canaan. He was under a curse from Noah. Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done to him. And he said, cursed be Canaan. Canaan was the father and the grandfather of the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Hivites, and all the otherites that you find in the scripture tribes that resided in that part of the promised land. And watch what happened. Because the Canaanites built 11 cities 
and others that we didn't even, that the scripture doesn't even number. But four of the sons of Canaan went out to the plains and they built four cities, Sodom, Gomorrah, Adama, and Zoin. And these cities got their names because they were the descendants of Ham. Sodom was the metropolis. It was the largest of all the five cities and the four in particular that he built. The names of these cities reflect the names of the Palestinian tribes that are a constant threat even today to the nation of Israel. What were the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah? Well, we know for sure, out of order, sexual expressions. Here are the other sins. Sodom's sins were pride, gluttony, and laziness, while the poor and needy suffered outside her door. She was proud and committed detestable sins, so I wiped her out, as you have seen. Why are so many on drugs, opiates, they're struggling, overdoses, dying at abnormal rates, boredom, leading to addiction? No incentive, everything handed to them, entitlement mentality, um, do everything, I breathe air so you owe me, video games, it's into the middle of the night, too much idle time, becoming proud, self-centered, overfed, and committing sins that God would no longer tolerate. Now, why does this, what does this have to do with America? Well, I'm speaking about Sodom for, for a specific reason. Josephus recorded about Sodom, the old uh, biblical re- historian. He said, quote, God resolved to chastise them for their arrogance. And God blasted their land so completely that it should no longer yield plant nor fruit whatsoever from that time forth, end quote. It's still a desolate land. The area is totally arid. Nothing grows there. And the historian goes on to tell us of the judges of Sodom and Gomorrah who passed a law that men could place beds in the streets and force strangers to have sexual relationships with them. There were forcible rapes going on in the streets of Sodom and Gomorrah and open sexual relationships right there in public. Happening in the streets. As you look at our culture, we have states that declared that they, by vote, were going to reject gay marriage. But judges conspired and overturned the will of the people. Do you see anything familiar here? No matter the will of the people or the foundations of the republic, Judges have defied what our founding principles were based upon. We are now paralleling Sodom and Gomorrah. And while we respect those on the Supreme Court, there is only one who is supreme. He is the law of the land. And understand, when we take God out of the public arena, and we decide to call what he calls good evil, because if you're against some of these sins, you're evil. And and we're calling what God calls evil and sinful, they're calling good. Listen, he's the law. Understand, when we take God out of the public arena, when we remove his word, all restraints come off and evil is given free reign. In 1963, it became the turning point in our country. Education began to decline from that day forward. Out of wedlock birth increased. Drug and alcohol abuse began to rise and increase. Then we passed a law allowing for abortion on demand. Crime against teachers increased. We have plummeted. Why? What's happened in our public schools is the question we always ask. We removed God is the answer. We decided we don't want God involved in anything that we're doing. And when there are public school shootings, 
People go, well, where's God? How come God didn't intervene? We kicked them out of those environments decades ago. And you can't keep telling children they evolved from apes without them acting like apes. We are teaching kindergarten children in Roseville about transgender lifestyles. And parents were not even informed before that was introduced to them at the kindergarten age. The cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were corrupted. And it happened. There were five cities there in those plains. Very lush, fruitful, well-to-do. One of those was called Zoar. It was a very tiny city on the top of a small hill. And it had no judge. And when Sodom and Gomorrah were about to be destroyed, the angel told Lot, flee to Zoar. And Lot made his way up the side of that hill into the city of Zoar. And when Sodom and Gomorrah were blown apart, Zoar was left untouched. It was not destroyed because no one had made a judicial decision against God's ways and will. All of the evil was taking place in the other four cities, not in this outlying community. And selective judgment arrived. God took out the four and he spared the one. Why? Righteousness. And the word says that Lot was righteous. He was in covenant with God because of Abraham, his uncle. And it says he vexed his righteous soul from day to day in that environment. So God did not destroy the righteous with the unrighteous. Far it be from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked. Now watch. When the sun was rising on the morning, when the fire was about to fall, listen to the angel of the Lord. Hurry, he said, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Where? Zoar. That helps us to know the ways of our God. God will not pour out his wrath until the saints of God, the righteous, are safely in the city. And the presence of a righteous person prevented judgment from striking the little community of Zoar. There will be times in America, we're seeing them now, not the total judgment of the book of Revelation called the wrath of God, not the one after another events that wipe out a third of the earth's population because the judgment is so severe. I'm not talking about that, but there will be times in our country Unless we repent, there will be selective judgment in our land. Some things will happen in certain places on the shores of the United States of America. And by the way, the true church is not anti-gay, showing hate for those trapped in a lifestyle. We are people of hope. We have a message of freedom. We have a message of redemption. We offer a message of hope. Most of those have been trapped in that lifestyle due to some traumatic event in their formative years and their younger days. But we speak to them the redemption of the Lord with the love of God, the truth of God's word and God's will. However, there are some engaging in sexual sin who have become radicalized, and there are varying consequences for certain sins. Consequences are not the same. Sin is sin, but consequences vary. The word says so. Stealing, for instance, is remedied by repayment. You make it up and you pay interest and you take care of the debt you created by theft. 
an affair affects you, your partner, the other person, their partner, their kids, your kids, grandparents, the body of Christ, some sins carry with them consequences more so than others. And some people view God's judgment as if, well, if if I have a thought that that goes through my mind, then I'm backslidden. (laughs) Listen, that God has two bats and he's going to beat you from both sides and then kick you to the side of the road. We have learned, we have learned, it's not a sin to be tempted. Even Jesus was tempted. But in Hebrew, judgment means to pass a verdict. Favorable or unfavorable? In the New Testament, and by the way, that judgment will be based clearly on God's word. Not on my opinion, not on your opinion, only on what God says. And he's not going to change what he said. Well, I'm a special circumstance. Oh, no, you're not. Sorry to inform you. There are no exceptions. New Testament, there is the judgment hall where Jesus was prosecuted and beaten. There is the judgment seat of Christ called the Bema seat where all will be gathered who believe in Jesus and received his redemption and salvation will be called to give an account of how we lived and what we did with the favor God gave us because of our salvation and will be rewarded or unrewarded depending on what we did and didn't do at the judgment seat of Christ. All will appear. Judgment to correctly discern something. That's another judgment talked about in the New Testament. There is the judgment of a court. Okay? And then there is one called crisis. It means a separating in order to make a decision. A forensic look. Taking apart a crime scene. Going into the DNA testing. So it will point to the perp. And you gather the evidence. When God sends judgment, it comes out of the word crisis. Our word is crisis. When God allows selective judgment, it's called crisis or crisis. So when you are swept up in a crisis, what do you do? You turn to God. You ask him for assistance and mercy and for favor from those who can help you. When judgment comes to a community... It's because the iniquity has risen before God. God creates a crisis. And if they turn to God and say, we have sinned, let us repent and turn back to God, he's merciful, he restores. If they turn back to God, he restores and blesses and he prospers them once again. If they reject repentance, that community is done. Because remember this, It's what is eternal that lasts. Everything we see around us is going to be gone. It's all temporal. And the only thing that will survive is his kingdom and the principles by which he built it. Now, how does judgment manifest? How does it like show up? How do we know it's judgment? One, the sword. It means war. And you need to know that we have some very serious threats against us today. And we've got leaders that are ready to act. And these wars and rumors of wars are the real deal. 
and we better be alert and aware because at any time you could see stuff you have never seen before. The second is fire. The fires that have broken out throughout the West and Northwest are unprecedented. Third is drought. These are ways judgment manifests. Drought, where all of a sudden you can't grow the way you should grow. Fourth, pestilence, plague that ends in death, something that has no or little cure. And in Yemen, because of the war among the tribes over the religion and who's in control and who's this and what, and the fighting that can continue to go on and go on, now cholera is broken out because all their infrastructure is destroyed, their water processing is done, and children are dying in the streets, and they can't be treated. You can't get in there to bring them help because they don't want anybody from the outside entering into this fray. It is one mess of pestilence. Let me quote you. Local newspaper, quote, 840 wildfires sparked by unprecedented lightning storms burned in California, alarming the governor, end quote. Okay? They were sparked by lightning. Broke out 840 different wildfires. If God would judge Israel for rejecting him, why would he not judge those nations who knew the truth but turned away from it? (laughs) And by the way, those random lightning strikes sparking fires began the day after we approved gay marriage. That's not coincidental. That is not by accident. God can allow nature. All God has to do is just remove his hand of protection. God lowered the hedge around Job. Satan had free reign to attack. And if God is not defending us and protecting us, we will have one crisis after another. Imagine what would happen if God lifts his hand of protection and defense all away from us for 30 consecutive days. What would happen overnight? While he was speaking, it says in Job, that was a servant who came to him, Another servant also came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. See? That's what happens when God moves his hand. Second Samuel, the Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice, and he sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning bolts, and he vanquished them. All God has to do is move his hand. Now, we're not saying that every storm... Every tornado, every clap of thunder, every fire that breaks out, or every flood is God's judgment. We can say it is a natural response to earth being in travail, having birth pains, groaning, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. And when it gets abnormal and it starts being record-breaking, pay attention Then God rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens, turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly because it says in Jude they'd gone after strange flesh. Something happened in Sodom and Gomorrah in the natural Some said it was a piece of a comet that broke off 
up in the heavenlies and penetrated our atmosphere and struck those two cities, igniting them and burning them to the ground. That's what some have theorized. When God removes his hand, it might look natural, but it's supernatural what's happening. What happened in Texas was not natural. It was supernatural. When that storm came in and decided it was going to park, there was a message in that. That storm that's taken the damage it's doing now in Florida, it's it's humongous. They have never seen one that large come up in in century since anything that big has struck. It's a natural storm, but it's a supernatural attention getter. It's saying, you better pay attention because the whole earth is groaning under the weight of the curse. And, and, And the sons of God, the children of God are going to show themselves different from those who are not serving the Lord. America, we have begun to see selective judgment in areas. Now, the empire cycle of which we're a part, historians have noted and written about, and I want to quote just a a quick sketch template outline of what that looks like, the the empire cycle. They last, an empire lasts anywhere from two to 400 years. That's done. Columbus discovered our land in 1492. Settlers arrived in the early 1600s. We have now existed as long as the Roman Empire. And what causes the collapse? And here's the list. Disintegration of the family. No more care or love or covenant or keeping promise or staying faithful. Just collapse. Higher taxes and public spending that continues to rise. (laughs) Sound familiar? Hmm? Everywhere you turn, more and more and more and more and more and more. And try to drain that swamp you got a war on your hands. The desire, because it's about power and money. They're not going to let go. They just aren't going to let go. The desire for pleasure, sports, and violence in sports. The building of armaments when the true enemy is within. The decline of religious practice and religion losing its power to guide the lives of people. You see... God has given us his principles so that we would live with civility and care and respect for one another. And those are, those are his principles for life. And when those are pulled out, forget it, man. It's chaos. Every man does what's right in his own eyes. The religion of America is now humanism. I will do what's right for me. And don't you say anything about it. The empire that will gather against the Antichrist after the rapture of the church, at the very last of days, the empire that will go against the Antichrist in the Middle East for control of all the wealth of that part of the world will be China. It will trigger Armageddon and the final return of Jesus to earth. But in these last days, we're not going to be designated by denominationalism, but by nation. We are a nation. We are a kingdom of kings and priests serving the King of kings and Lord of lords, seeing transformation in the lives of people in our community all around us. That's our call. God protected his people during the plagues. And here's what he said. When he was dealing with Egypt, he was separating his people away. 
I will make a difference between my people and your people. And when the flies struck Egypt, they didn't strike Israel. When hail fell on Egypt, it didn't fall in Israel. When the cattle of the Egyptians died, the Israeli cattle lived. When darkness struck Egypt, there was light in all the homes and streets of Israel. God's people were supernaturally preserved against his judgments. I believe God has a righteous remnant. And what the groaning is that we're witnessing right now, it is manifesting who is that righteous remnant and who isn't. Those are totally in love with him, committed to him, in covenant with him, and keeping faith with him. And no matter how crazy it gets, no matter how wild the stuff you see, and you look at it and you go, oh my goodness, I never thought I'd see that in my lifetime. God will put a difference between the righteous and the unrighteous. And that while there's no food in Egypt, there'll be food in Goshen. And when there's no money in Egypt, there will be supply in Goshen. And God will supply for his people in the end of days. Trust him. God will stand with you when you stand with him. Amen? Stand to your feet and give thanks to him right now. Thank you, Lord. You are good. We love you. And we praise you.